Hey guys, I'm David. In this episode, Bryce, Marshall, and I talk about reflecting on the release of a novel on Amazon, dopamine detoxing, and thriving in the lows. Here we go. This started because we wanted something that didn't exist for us. Scheduled space to speak freely about our struggles, secrets, and successes. We wanted to challenge ourselves, hold each other accountable, and help each other grow. We don't always know what we're talking about, but that's kind of the point. Instead, we believe honest, open, vulnerable conversations move us toward deep connection and meaning. We invite you to join us, listening in and creating your own conversations with your friends. Welcome to Cucumber Talks. How do we do this week with our accountability goals? I think mine went pretty well. I started my lights spreadsheet and I was reluctant to put it on my iPad. Remember I talked about that friction of trying to get to your computer? Mm-hmm. Well, I experienced that just trying to put it on my iPad because one, I didn't know where it was at first. So then I found it and then couldn't find a charger. I don't think I have a charger anymore. I think my son stole my charger and then doesn't have any. I don't know. I don't know where the charger is. But the payoff to that was that I realized I don't need the iPad. I was like, wait a minute, I can just pull this up on my phone. Even more convenient. I always have my phone done. So I put it on my phone and now I have even less excuse because my iPad would have just been a dedicated device that's separate from what my normal daily habit would be where my phone is literally, I just open up the little app, click on it. It's there. I can check off my stuff, do my thing. And it worked. I think I was, I wasn't a hundred percent, but I only had, I, I only put three items on there and my wife was saying kind of, uh, making fun of me is probably not the right term, but she was like, why do you have this spreadsheet for three items? You know, like, <laughs> can you not just remember this or like, this is silly. <laughs> and it is, it is silly. Um, because there's only three items and they're, one of them is, did I check off this spreadsheet? One of them is, did I wake up or did I not just, did I wake up? Did I get up before or at 5 a.m.? Which I pretty much do that anyway, or it's not super, let's say not super difficult for me. And the third one, which I thought I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I put, um, it's d- pick the one thing for the next day. So pick the one task or the one goal, the one thing that I want to work on or try to do the next day. So I've tried to plan ahead a day for that. So each of the thing, well, not each of the things, but that one thing item is another sort of mechanism that doesn't have to do with the content of what I'm doing as much as just like a scaffolding or a framework for hopefully establishing better habits for whatever it is that I do. And yeah, I think I, I at least checked stuff off every day this week and posted it on Instagram. That was where my wife was like, nobody wants to see a spreadsheet online. I'm like, that's fine. That's probably like purposely, you know, she's like, I'm the only person that sees this and I don't want to see it. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Anyway. You're only going to get hardcore people following you in that way, which is good. (laughs) Yeah. Tag it with light spreadsheet. Well, that was the other thing is I haven't tagged anything yet, but part of me wants to send it to our buddy, I don't really know him, but Sebastian Marshall, I feel like he would, he would uh, at least come visit or check out the podcast episode maybe. Yeah, definitely. 
should tag him in every single post. Right. Sebastian, <laughs> check it out. Anyway, so long introduction. That's what I got into this week. Mm. Nice. Yeah, mine was a little weird. It was to allow myself some time wasters. I, I put down video games and movies. I didn't end up really playing video games. <laughs> I downloaded a a game on my on my iPad and maybe played it a couple times and just didn't seem that interesting. And then I didn't watch any movies. I watched some of a TV show that is kind of a guilty pleasure, Bojack Horseman. I'm not sure if you guys have mm. seen that one. Oh, I've yeah, yeah. Good I haven't actually seen it. I just see the cover. It's like a yes. It seems it's crazy. Cartoon I horse. haven't seen it though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely my type of humor. It's really it's dark humor and cynical and really funny. So I, I watched a few of those episodes. I'm not really sure if it served the purpose, the intended purpose of like making me feel more relaxed. But yeah. It, I guess it was good. I don't think it's something I'm going to prioritize in the future, though. Hmm. It's like going through the motions just to like kind of push yourself into that relaxed state, maybe. Mm. I think there are things I'd prefer over like a TV show or a video game. That's what I was going to ask. Was it the time wasting or the things that you were doing for the time wasting? So maybe the, the things you were doing more. Mm-hmm. I'll probably save some of that for my topic today. But uh, yeah, I think I'd prefer to, I don't know, listen to a, maybe not even listen to a podcast. I like like stretching, you know, stretching and just uh, just sitting, meditating. I'd rather do that than watch a TV show. Hmm. And I also like- got Kindle Unlimited, <laughs> which mm. I always was opposed to. But I'm finding it's really, really awesome because you can find so many random books. We about to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think it was kind of spawned by your book, Marshall. I saw it was available on Kindle Unlimited. I'm making Jeff Cashola. (laughs) But it's really fascinating because the books that are on Kindle Unlimited aren't the, you know, the popular books. Like the... Mm. You know, most of the, I don't know, what do you call them? Sort of A-list. The A-list books. books. Yeah, let's call them A-list books. Those you have to pay $10 for. But the Kindle Unlimited books, it just goes so deep. And you can find so much random stuff. And some of it's really interesting. It's Yeah. Like the dude down the street. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is is sometimes way more interesting than the A-list books. Oh, for sure. Well, you might get a different perspective than somebody else has too because you're reading something that's not what everybody in culture is reading. When everybody mm-hmm. in culture is reading Malcolm Gladwell, you know, like at some point everybody's talking about the tipping point and whatever. No offense, Malcolm. But, you know, when you read something different, then you have a different perspective to offer. Mm-hmm. It's like scrolling through the internet on DuckDuckGo. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it is There's like... no algorithm that like pushes that. you. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, yeah, kind of a disappointing week for me with reading. Uh, yeah, I did not read any books, so it's a good start. <laughs> do you have a book that you want to read? Like physically, you know what I mean? Like, do you actually have a book yes. that you want to read? Okay. I 
I have a book and it is sitting on top of a chest in my room. It's the, the, you guys recommended it. I think Bryce, it was the millionaire. Is it the millionaire next door? Or oh, yeah. one of those books that you guys recommended and I got it used on Amazon and it is at the same condition that I <laughs> bought it in used. So a little disappointing, but I'm I'm just gonna put it on on my list again and kind of beat myself up a bit, force myself to to get into this because I'm I'm very different than you guys. I know Bryce can stretch and, and read for, for hours at a time. And Marshall, of course, you're a, an author, really. And so for me, when I've read in the past, I usually get really sleepy after like 10 minutes, which is why I prefer Audible, not a sponsor. But um, yeah, I really want to push myself to even, you know, five, 10 minutes a day, get into that habit, you know, habit building. So that's what I didn't do this week. <laughs> that is a little depressing. <laughs> just got to say that. <laughs> no, it's just how it goes, right? All right. Well, jump into some topics here. I think the way that I'd like to, so, so my topic is releasing this, this book here that I wrote, talked about a little bit last week. Um, I think the way that might be the most interesting, because I was trying to think about what, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about it. I haven't talked about it super in detail with anybody. It's just to ask me questions so that I'm not just talking about stupid stuff that matters to me, but doesn't matter to anybody else. Does that seem like a good way to go? Or are you guys like, no, let's, let's tell us something else first. <laughs> no, I've, got a, I've got a million questions. Why don't we start with that then? I don't know. Remind me and I'll, I'll, uh, well, yeah, let's just let's just do that. What what you got? What what are you guys thinking about with it? What do you want to know? <laughs> mm, first one obviously is are you happy with how the launch went? Yeah, I'm I'm satisfied with it. I think I am a, a bit disappointed in how the whole thing turned out, but I really had probably four different versions of success, right? So success number one happened months ago when I finished the thing. Mm-hmm. Success number two happened a couple of weeks ago when I told you guys like, hey, I finished going through and editing it. And when I say success, I really do mean like I had this sort of washes over you. Oh, cool. I, I did it feeling. Um, and then success number three would be just the fact that it's now available online, regardless of how many people buy it. Um, success number four is, yeah, at least 10 people bought the book, right? <laughs> like it wasn't like nobody bought it. Um, <laughs> And then success number five would be, you know, thousands of people bought it and it's going to continue to sell hundreds of copies every month for the next five years. That definitely didn't happen. I've sold, let's say, dozens of copies, not hundreds. The, uh, you mentioned Amazon Unlimited. There's people reading on Amazon Unlimited, which is an interesting thing because it's kind of like streams. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but I think of things in terms of like streams on music sites you get zero money for them not zero money but it's very little money but the exposure is kind of cool it's kind of cool to be like oh wow there's been people who've read this many pages of it. so um 
so yeah, I'm thrilled that it's like past and I can move on to other things. I don't want to keep sort of hyping up the book. Like I, I feel like I could keep going with it sort of like for the next three months, like, Hey, here's all these other things. I don't feel like I want to do that right now. Um, I think I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with it, mm. which is cool, which is good. You know, like I wanted to put something out there. I wanted to see what the process was like. Uh, I promoted it on Facebook and told some friends about it, told um, the side effect of this whole thing was that I always said that I wanted to start an email list for my blog. And a side effect is I sort of started that as well. Um, so that was cool. Like a side success. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Really good to hear. What type of feedback that's, did yeah. you get from uh, people you know who, who read it? Um, well, I, I, I don't know if I've told you this, that I heard somebody say that you know, when you've finished a book and you off, ask somebody to give you feedback on it, you should really ask them, well, what stage are you at in the process? Because if it's already finished, just congratulations. <laughs> like, don't try to give feedback on it. And uh, that's probably, um, by the time anybody's read it, that is where it's kind of at. And not because I've, you know, told people to just say congratulations or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I haven't had any, like, negative feedback um people have been i think the biggest you know if i were to sum it all up it's oh wow i didn't even know you were writing a book that's crazy it was actually really good <laughs> you know and i think we've talked about this like the standard scale like it was actually really good compared to the version that you thought was going to be terrible compared to you know jk rowling compared to you know some i don't know so it, it's interesting because like, well, what are you comparing it to? What do you, you know, did you just have fun reading it? I think the thing that I want is, you know, I wanted it to be something that you could, instead of watching a movie, a two hour movie, you could read the book. It's not a huge time commitment. It's not a huge, you know, it's not like this long thing. It's pretty, pretty quick read. And I wanted it to be something fun for people who, who know me. I was like, oh, cool. Okay. And so that's kind of been the general, I think, response. There's been a few people who've been like really, really overly, you know, wow, that's amazing. I didn't, you know, and it feels good to hear that. But at the same time, I'm like, sometimes like, uh, um, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I read it and yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, the, you know, because I know you and I know your family personally, I saw the overlap in the characters and how they were quite similar to you and your real family. I don't know your coworkers and stuff, but I, I assume that a lot of the characters in the book are based on real life people. Have you gotten any feedback from those real life people and their feelings on how they were portrayed in the book? Yeah, there was. Um, so one, one coworker, um, uh, so it, it was like, there's probably three moments where I was like, oh, that, now that is cool. Like, you know, I, I always say that I like writing to have written something. And so I try not to have it where I write for other, not for other people, because I do write for other people, but I try not to write for the praise of other people, let's say, right? But um, there was one person at work who said, uh, read it they're pretty well in the book you know they're they're uh they're probably 
anyway, and they said um, they, they didn't comment so much on their own portrayal in it, but just the situation because they obviously sort of lived through a similar, a similar version. And they said something to the effect of, oh, wow, you were meant to write. <laughs> and that was pretty cool. The um, people at work's reaction was the scariest part of releasing the book. Right. <laughs> because they don't all know that I'm a writer. Like, my family, they, you know, they sort of read stuff that I write and know that I write and stuff. But the uh, people at work are the ones who I, I told stuff about, you know, in quotation marks, that uh, they didn't give me permission to tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but that I just cover with the gauze of like, oh, it's a novel. <laughs> it's, it's fiction. But, uh, but yeah, no right, negative. Like you, you have that, that preface at the beginning, like all fiction books do. <laughs> Any similarities to real life people is just a coincidence. <laughs> Don't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that was cer- certainly the uh, scariest part or yeah, the, the most nervous part. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, like two of the comments that I have on or two of the, I think I have what, like four reviews or something on Amazon. Uh, two of them are from people at work. So that my, my, uh, my wife was definitely excited. She was like, that's really cool that your you know, coworkers are supporting you like that. That's, that's cool. Like, that, that's, that's true. So it is very cool. It's really cool because one of the things that you've brought up in quite a few of mm. our conversations is the integration part yes. where you felt like your life was separate, like your, yes. your writing was separate from your work and now you're bringing those two together and kind of yeah. present, presenting a fuller picture of yourself to your coworkers. So yes, I'm sure that feels good. And we'll get into this next week for sure with our, uh, with our coming episode. We won't give anything away yet, but um, yeah, very much so. I, I, and I didn't, I didn't go into it thinking about that at all. Like, you know, that's, that's me not planning ahead very far <laughs> because, you know, when I put the book out there, it was like, oh yeah. So now everybody gets to read this now, <laughs> not just, you know, my friends, but also friends that I work with every day. Hmm. It's gotta be a weird feeling. It's like somebody reading your personal diary a little bit, maybe. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> One of the one of the one of my coworkers, she had mentioned before it came out, she said, Are you nervous about it coming out? And I said, Well, not really, because I have I've kind of written in public for a while now and I'm not. I think it wasn't until sort of day of when it started I am nervous. <laughs> and then especially talking with people too, I still get the awkward so I read your book and I'm like, oh no, okay. <laughs> How does that I'm conversation super thrilled. I'm super go? thrilled you read it. Um, I mean, about like that, it, it's like, you know, I get this big smile on my face like, oh, thank you. That, that, you know, that it's one thing to read an article by somebody. It's another to read an entire book that's, you know, like I said, about two hours of reading or, you know, it's a short book, but still a, a commitment. So I'm, uh, I'm grateful that people read it but then at the same time now it's like they know more about me than I do in a way because Mm -hmm. they just read something and so they can pinpoint something in chapter 18 about a book or something and then 
where, where I don't know what chapter 18 said right now because I didn't just read it. Now, they say it. I've read it enough that I probably can pick up on where they're at and what they're talking about. But it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. It happens with my blog, too, because there's like a thousand plus, I don't know, 1,600 posts or something out there. And so every once in a while, somebody will realize I have a blog, go stumble through it, read like 100 articles or, you know, scan through a bunch of articles and then come talk to me about them. And I'm like, man, I had, I forgot I wrote that. That was like eight years ago or, you know, some of them <laughs> I remember, but it's just, a, that's, that's always a weird feeling, but it's cool too. You think it's a jumping off point for more books? Is there more, so. more in the future? Yeah, I hope so. I think that was one of the goals with it was to do something that is, um, I would say easier as it turned out. I don't know that it was easy, but, um, you know, I, I went into it sort of lighthearted and, and sort of like, okay, I'm just going to do this for fun and put it out there and see what it looks like, see what this process looks like. And I think I accomplished that, that version. Um, but yeah, I think I'd like to write other books and, you know, put them out there. And it's also helpful in a way that, you know, I don't, I don't believe this is going to go on and be a perennial bestseller uh, or a perennial seller at all, <laughs> probably. Um, but it's helpful knowing that and still having the, but I want to do this again. Because, you know, if, if, if I did it like this and then I was like, oh, that's it, then maybe I'm not supposed to write. But because I did it like this and I'm still like, okay, what's the next thing? Um, that sort of helps, you know, it sets the, it sets the bar low <laughs> for, for whatever the next project is. You think you could become one of those Kindle unlimited writers that I don't know if they're called Kindle unlimited writers, but you know, the ones that just crank out novels all the time. And I don't, I don't know how that works if there's a team behind it or an, just an individual, but you know how there's writers that just crank out a ton of, yeah. Short it's like a book fiction. a month, right? Yeah, or or yeah, multiple books a year for sure. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, like I I say that probably not because I'd want to have a better. I I say not, but then at the same time I also know like there's that uh, there's that story, and I don't know even know if it's real, but of the class or something where they're like, hey, you know, half the class is gonna just be graded based upon how many things they create. I think it was like a pottery class or something. The other class is like, you can do just one if you want to, but it has to, it's going to be graded on quality. Mm. And they went through the class. And at the end, the, the, the side of the class that had the best ones were actually the ones that weren't trying to be graded on quality or the, the ones that had the best quality were not on the side that were just going for quality. They were actually on the side that were going for just sheer production. And the, the theory behind that is that when you're able to just put out a bunch of stuff, you're more likely to iterate and find ways to make things cool or, or more interesting as opposed to if you only have one thing or two things or whatever. Um, so I do get that feeling from it that if you're writing books all the time, you don't place as much importance on the individual ideas, which can be bad, but at the same time, it can be good because then you just get a random idea and you're like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a story about a guy who was actually a centaur let me write that book real quick but he lives in new york and everything else is realistic but he's a centaur okay cool and then you write that book just and that might be terrible but if you, if you do weird stuff like that maybe one of those hits and it's cool as opposed to trying to play it really safe and be like okay 
am I in the, am I in the fantasy world? Am I in the nonfiction world? Am I in the, you know, and being really cerebral with how you plot out the, the sort of the plan of, of things. Mm. Or just spending three years of your life writing one novel when you right. Right. could have written 300, right. 300 I think what shorter you, ones. Right. I think what you see was successful, right? So there's people like George Orwell who wrote like five novels mm-hmm. in his life. And one of them is arguably, you know, one of the great American novels. You know, it's, it's like everybody knows about 1984, right? Um, but then you have other people who are like Stephen King who have these hits who have been made into movies, but they're still just cranking out a book a year. Like they're just putting in the time, you know, and some of them aren't as good as others. And sometimes they're just really good writers. So they're able to do really good quality every year, year after year after year. Um, so yeah, I think there's something to be said on both sides, but it seems as though that the more reliable path to success would be not betting on the five, you know, George Orwell style books that you write. It would be write a book every year, get a publishing contract where I'm going to write a book every single year. Some of them are going to fail. Some of them are going to be turned into movies. And in 50 years, I'm going to have 50 books that are out and, you know, everybody will know who I am. You know, that, that seems like the more predictable path. So with like Kindle Unlimited, it seems like the more predictable path would be to set yourself a quota. Like I'm going to write a book a month, take a month off, write a book a month, take a month off and just churn through six books mm-hmm. a year. That that seems like a good, like a, a really cool medium. Is medium the right word? Um, a two-hour read. I love you, the format you know those, of the of the two-hour read for sure. That's yes. so that's so yeah. cool. I think yours was the first book I've read like that, and that's yeah. why I'm diving deeper into Kindle Limited because yeah. Oh, this is kind of cool. You know, it's right. not that big of a commitment. Um, exactly. It, included in my kindle unlimited plan it's if i don't like the first few pages whatever i just return it it's not that big of a deal and a fast-paced two-hour novel is a cool replacement for a netflix episode or something like that exactly yeah Mm. it's it's almost like it should be called something else other than a book (laughs) because it's like a novella my wife kept calling it that because she likes the word but and it is well that sounds too not to take away from what yes, you what you yes. produce, but it no, sounds, I know. Like, <laughs> it sounds it sounds like Ernest, like, Ernest Hemingway or something. But yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. This isn't the old man in the sea. This is a short book that you're going to read instead of watching Jack Reacher. You know, <laughs> but right. yeah, a hundred percent. I love books. My favorite book, probably. I've said this for a long time, and I haven't read it in a while, so I'm like, maybe it's not even my favorite book. But it's called Night. And it's a memoir about the Holocaust. Super mm-hmm. depressing. That's so young that adult, right? Um, I don't know. I, it might be. They, I, they might read it in, in like high school or mm-hmm. middle school or something like that. Uh, because he was a, a young, not a young kid, but he was, a, he was young when he experienced what he experienced through the Holocaust. Um, but yeah, it's like 125 paperback pages. So you sit down and you get the idea very quickly. And the story goes through and, and that's it. And I've always said that, you know, that that's the size book that I want to write for sure. Um, just because it is, it's so much easier to commit to something like that, to give to a friend who doesn't read and say, Hey, I think you might really like chapter 12 and hand them a book. That's only 125 pages. That's so much more 
just shareable. And I don't know, I just like that format a lot better than the War and Peace, you know, thousand page tome. Hmm. Do you enjoy doing this as a, a side thing? Or would you want it to maybe one day be a, like a full-time situation? Yeah, I mean, if it was, if there was a way for me to sell, you know, 10 or it'd probably have to be like, I haven't thought about this, but it'd probably have to be like a thousand X what I saw <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, <laughs> it, it would have to be way more successful or and successful. I mean, like financially for it to, for it to make sense, I guess. But, but yeah, it seems like a cool, you know, career path, I guess. Um, and I, I know that be happy. Yeah. Working on things like eight hours a day, like you would have a normal job kind of. Right. Right. Yeah, I think so. It's hard Mm -hmm. to say because it's, it's a totally different feel when you're doing something for the something itself. Like it's art at that point. It really is. I'm just doing this because I want to do it. As soon as you attach that, now you have to do it because now your livelihood is, you know, associated with it. (laughs) you know some some of the strings or some of the creativity goes away because now it's like well that might be a little out there people might not like that even though i might you know so it does change it a bit but but yeah i think it would be cool to to write and then i think writers in general end up supplementing their income or probably making more of their income from other things as well like writing workshops and book signing or you know stuff like that as opposed to just you know some people do they're able to just carve it out and make all they do is write four books a year, but yeah, I mean, you um, could make a Skillshare class, or there's a bunch. Yeah, of yeah, exactly. Cool yeah. things that you could make writing revolve around, and potentially, you know, replace the nine to five, as they say. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's ironic though, because if you replace the nine to five, then a lot of the inspiration for your content would go away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a big struggle. You know, like how many times do you hear speakers talk about stories about how they're in an airplane? And whenever I hear that story, I'm like, yeah, because you're in an airplane all the time. That's, that's what you do. Like that's your interaction with people because you, you, know, you fly around to different places and give these speeches. And so, yeah, it's, there's always that balance of, well, how do you make sure that whatever you're doing in the world gives you enough content to then create whether it's fiction or nonfiction or you know, whatever you're trying to, and that goes for any kind of art, not just writing, but you know, if you're a musician and all you do is tour, then you know, you don't have, it's just, it's just interesting how once you become a professional, you know, you go through the motions of doing something. Yeah. You do sort of lose the, the normal interactions that you'd have. Otherwise you have to almost make those things. That's why it blows my mind that people can write fantasy and sci-fi and stuff like that. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what my wife says. She likes reading like sort of fantasy young adult stuff and creating those worlds, world building mm-hmm. like that and keeping it consistent. Mm-hmm. Some of it you can do off the top of your head, but, you know, some of it is really, really intense. You know, they're tripping it's on a skill. acid probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a skill too, you know, you just get into it and you figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I enjoyed it and looking forward to more. Cool. Thank, well, thanks. Thanks for reading it. And I mean, that's, I was telling somebody at work the other day that in this whole conversation, or maybe it was my wife, I think I've told both of them this, but the, um, the, the, 
biggest part of this whole process has been like, oh, go out and buy the book. Oh, leave a review. Oh, you know, but really the whole point is people reading it. So when I hear that people have actually read it, because it's one thing to just buy it just because like, oh, cute little Marshall has a book out. Let's buy his <laughs> book and help support him, you know, because that goes through my head too. Like, okay, yeah, people are just supporting me because they would buy cookies from me if I was a Boy Scout, you know, or what, you know what I mean? Like at some point it's just like the sympathy buy, you know, but when somebody says they've read it, that's a whole other level of commitment. That's pretty, that's, that's super cool. And I'm really grateful for people who, you know, who read it and then who also just enjoy it for its own sake, not just because they sort of are trying to support me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My topic this week is, I feel like it's almost relatable to what we just talked about as far as like when David asked you about, could you do it full time? Hmm. And then having to think about the money side of it. And maybe you would lose some of the creativity because of that. Um, yeah, not really sure how to go about talking about this. I know, um, I know you guys probably have surmised this about me that I have somewhat of a, an addictive personality. Like I've, I won't say struggled, I don't struggle is probably too strong of a word, but you know, I've done all of those, basically not all of them, but you know, a lot of the things people get addicted to I've done and I won't say I was addicted to them, but you know, I got into the loop of doing them. So the, the feedback loop or the addiction loop is really interesting to me. Um, I think it was this past year that I kind of really became aware of all the steps. I, I wrote them down so I could remember them all <laughs> because I'm not sure if I could go off the top of my head. <laughs> but the, um, to me, and it, it seems like other people, like the, this didn't just come from, from, my, from my head, but um, the addiction loop seems to be like there's a stimulus and then you feel the euphoria of doing that from the stimulus. And then gradually you build a tolerance to it. And when you build a tolerance to it, there's emotional and physical dependence to it. And then when you don't get it, you experience withdrawal symptoms. And the withdrawal symptoms, you know, obviously are negative, tend to be for me personally, it tends to be like moodiness and anger mm. and um, unease, like anxiety when I don't have the thing. So I experience that feedback loop in, with lots of different things in the past and present. Like the past, you know, it's been alcohol, it's been nicotine, it's been caffeine, it's been porn it's been sugar sex social media you know all of these things and the feedback loop pretty much remains the same you know you get stimulated you feel euphoric you build a tolerance so that you need more and more of it to get that same rush and when you don't get it you feel unease and then you have to when you when you do get it, you get that euphoria again. But sometimes if it gets severe enough, 
you don't really get the euphoria anymore. You just get back to your baseline or you just get back to normal once you've got the rush. And it kind of clicked with me this week that I have that feedback loop built within my work. Mm -hmm. So being self-employed and doing what we do, there's a feedback loop where (laughs) the stimulus is making sales. And when you make sales, you feel a euphoria. And when you don't make sales or the sales are lower than normal, then you start to feel a withdrawal like symptom because you're not getting that high or you're not getting that rush from getting the sales. And then I start to feel uneasy or moody or angry when the sales aren't where they should be. And then when the sales spike again, then I get my, get my high and then the loop repeats. I am a little confused with this one because with the other ones like caffeine or nicotine or whatever it is, removing it doesn't take away my livelihood. (laughs) You know, removing it does nothing but benefit me. Removing caffeine, like I, I quit drinking coffee probably six months ago and removing it removes that loop and removing that loop makes me feel so much better but I don't know how to remove this loop completely. And I don't really want to remove this loop completely because number one, I enjoy the work. And number two, I have to pay the bills. (laughs) And number three, getting good at this earns enough money so that eventually I can get to that financial independence level that I want to get to. And then I can maybe reach that point. Marshall, you talked about where you can just do things to do things and you don't have to worry about the financial side of them. And that's, you know, that's my long-term goal, hopefully 10 or 15 year goal where I can have enough money so I don't have to worry about money anymore, but I'm not there yet. And I just don't know what to do with this loop because it has negative consequences. You know, I feel on edge due to the fact that, you know, Mm. some days are going to be slower than others. Um, Yeah. That's what I'm going through. And Mm. I think I have some steps in mind for what to do with it. One is I want to start shutting my computer off for large parts of the day that I'm not working. I want to have more of a traditional schedule built into my life where, you know, I just keep the computer on from nine to five and then shut it off at five. So then I have those 16 hours where I'm not checking it. And I think that'll help. But, um, yeah, if you guys have any ideas or thoughts on that, that'd be great. People are probably like, this guy beat the nine to five and now he's trying to get back, you know? <laughs> it almost sounds, it's just, it's very interesting, but it's, um, it's super relatable. I think a lot of people relate to it. Hmm. Well, it's building the structure or tradition from the ground up instead of having it handed to you Mm -hmm. and i think i found that a lot with my family you know there's things that you kind of grew up doing a certain way and you're like well why do we do this i'm trying to think of a good example but you know just eating dinner at the same time every night at the table 
with setting the table silverware first, you know, something like that. And then we decide, well, we're not going to really do that because it's easier to be flexible or something. And then we kind of come back to it like, ah, well, there was a good reason why we, you know, all ate dinner at the same time. And, you know, it was a very helps make it a little peaceful around the house because you kind of know what to expect and when the stuff's going to happen. The same thing with work, I think, you know, creating those schedules. I think what I was thinking about, Bryce, was, and you mentioned it briefly there about you do have those negative side effects because what I was wondering when you first started talking about it is it seems like a feedback loop can be can be good. It's, it's almost like that that addictive loop applied to the right things actually might be what you want to build into a system so that it drives you to get better at something. Like, let's say you're playing sports or something, you know, you want to create a feedback loop that makes you want to get better. Kind of like me with my light spreadsheet. Like, I want to create a loop that makes me want to check this thing off, not not check it off. But then what you said there at the end was, the I think, the part where the, the, the crux of the matter, right, is that you want the loop there enough to motivate you and move you forward toward it, but not enough to make you have those... Well, uneasy is an interesting word because if you do want to feel a little bit uneasy or you do want to feel a little bit uncomfortable when you're not doing what you should be doing, but when you've done what you should be doing, I guess, maybe this is a better way to put it, when you've done what you should be doing, you don't want to keep having that thing pulling you back in like, but I didn't, I should do more, you know. Um, Yeah, it it almost, I'm about to say something that's not true, but it almost (laughs) seems impossible. You know, like it, it seems like an almost impossible situation. Like how, how do you get something that you want to do? How do you get yourself not to want to do it, but where you still do it? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like how, how does that work? You know, the ideal scenario is to do what you love. You know, like in your case, Marshall, you write. And then you write and society rewards you for your writing you're rewarded enough where you don't have to worry about your basic needs and affording your lifestyle. Mm, I'm not in that spot yet. Eventually I want to get, get there, you know, dopamine detox, that, that phrase or Hmm, that whole thing that that gets thrown around a lot these days, at least in my corner of the internet. And Mm -hmm. it's becoming a really self-helpy thing to do. Oh, uh, you got to find out all of the the things that are cranking up your dopamine and then cut them all out and then your life will be so much better. I think that's true. And I'm not sure what to do with this one because I know it is a dopamine rush every time I check our accounts and I see money and I see sales. And I'm like, oh yes, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And it, when you're self-employed, you kind of need that validation, at least when you're starting out. Hopefully, I think that I'm, I'd like to think that I'm getting away from it. But you know, when you're first starting out and you get those initial sales or you start to hit certain numbers, it's this, it's this way of validating that what you're doing is on track. Mm-hmm but you get stuck in needing that validation all the time right, and right. you need it more and more and more. It's like every five minutes I've got to check. Oh, did we make a sale? Did we make a sale? Right. 
and it's minute by minute, it's hour by hour, yes. it's day by day, it's month by month, it's year by year. You know, hmm. oh, are we better now than we were last month? Are we better now than we were yesterday? And it's like this crushing, not crushing, crushing's too strong, but you know, <laughs> you, you feel anxious all the time. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say you, I, I feel anxious because I'm always thinking about that. I just don't want to be thinking about that all the time. It certainly relates to the, the book launch that I experienced. And I was trying to come up with a good metaphor and I haven't yet. But what I, what I had in my mind was something like, I want to fly with the eagles, but not waller around with the pigs. And I don't like that version. So I'm trying to work on it. But what I mean by that is you hear the stoicism thing of where you're just even keel. So somebody gives you praise you don't get excited about it. Somebody gives you something depressing, your grandparent died or your son died, you don't get depressed because you can't do anything about it. So you want to be that even keel. Mm -hmm. um, so you can accept or reject parts of that. Like part of it, I'm like, well, you still want to be human. You still want to feel, right? I don't think you should just not feel stuff. But let's take the basic premise that you don't want to be destroyed by depressing news and you don't want to be crazy with you know, good news. But what I'm wondering, I, I forget where I sort of got this idea because somebody mentioned it to me, I think. But what I want is I want to be happy and lift. I want my spirit to be lifted up when I get the good news, the sale, the compliment, the whatever. Not so much to the point where I'm just stupid, like overly confident or something. But I want to feel that high of like, oh, that is cool. Yeah, you, I did help this person or, oh, I did, you know, sell this th thing. But when I don't get that, I don't want to go down. So I want the upside without any downside. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's possible, but I definitely felt that with the book launch as well. Because it was the same thing, like especially that first day where it came out, I'm like refreshing this thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my wife's like, well, how many did you sell? You know, and I go refresh it or whatever. And yeah, it's just, it's just super, you know, it's exciting, but it's also, yeah, you definitely see how that goes down a path very quickly of this is not what I want my life to be. <laughs> but I want, I still like the, you know, like I, I don't want to just be even keel when somebody says, Hey, great job. I, I do appreciate that. And just like, if you had a great month this month, right. It seems healthy to be like, well, let's celebrate. That's cool. Like celebrating successes seems like a good thing, but then how do you not get, like you said, crushed and when, when you're just not even successful, you could be doing good, just not amazing like exactly you thought you wanted to be. You know, it's that's why I equate it to a drug or a drug addiction. Yeah. Because yeah. I still remember the first time I ever made money online and it was like 30 cents. And I was like, holy shit, this is I can the do best this. thing ever. <laughs> and, you know, now I don't even smile if it's like less than... Two yeah. or three hundred dollars a day. Yeah. So it's like, how do you not get into that loop where you always need more and more and more mm. just to feel something? Right. Because you could easily extrapolate it out and be it could be two or three thousand dollars a day. Yeah. You know, and you could still see the feel the same thing. I already because yeah, your expectations. That's the thing. Gone. I can see it. Right. I you might have gone. It, it might have been ten dollars <laughs> at one point. Two dollars. One point. Now you're well, I, I just know that like 
even when I hit crazy numbers, is it it's going to be the same feeling. Mm-hmm. And I've always got to, you know, I always told myself I wouldn't be that person that <laughs> needs more and more and more, but it's happened. It's a foreshadowing. Mm. Yeah, maybe rereading some of those Stoicism books. Yeah, you've uh, been uh, heavy on Naval lately. I I thought there'd be some <laughs> some good, you know, good bits in there. Actually, I've yet to read his book, but re-listen to the podcast with him and Rogan, and it's just a lot of wonderful things to to revisit. It's like a struggle. The, um, the thing that gets suggested when people talk about dopamine detox is to move away from short-term gratification to longer-term gratification. And that's why you, I guess you want to move away from addictive behaviors like drugs and sugar and all of that type of stuff into longer-term stuff, better habits and longer-term goals. That's Naval's definition of judgment. It's like long-term thinking. Like that's mm-hmm. how he defines it. Long-term thinking in the external world. I'm just not sure how to do it with the way ours is currently structured. Yeah. It's ingrained in us. We have to like completely rewire our thinking. I'm included in that. <laughs> how often do you check stuff though? Like let's get back down to the practical side of this. Mm-hmm. Like are you checking it like daily for sales like is it something you could space out more you know instead of like every week maybe every month every six months like six months seems like a long time (laughs) to me i don't know how that how that works out but right like that's that's what i'm trying to yeah the practical side what can i do to Mm -hmm. if i can't eliminate this and i don't want to eliminate it how can i at least space it out a little bit Mm -hmm. you know for the last three years it's just been every day all day Mm. and you know for the past three three years you know i don't take time off i don't take vacations or even if i take vacations it's still on because you know you just turn on your phone and you can access it so your mind never stops thinking about it um that's why I'm, i'm trying to think of ways to you know i i deleted my internet browser on my phone so I can't access, I can't access it. And I, you know, I stripped down most of the things on my phone, so I can't do anything on my phone except really text or call or, um, uh, you know, listen to podcasts or music or stuff like that, but there's no internet browsing. Um, basically the only device I can access it is my computer. So I think that's helpful. Just turning it off. But my computer is on all the time. So now I'm trying to implement that where you can't turn on the computer until like nine o'clock and it has to turn off at five or something like that. You know, I realized I only put in maybe four hours of really productive work every day. Most of the time I'm just sitting at the computer browsing or like thinking up ideas that are usually distractions and it's not really useful work so having it on from nine to five is is more than enough does that answer your question yeah a little bit like how how do you do you make do you make business decisions 
based upon immediate feedback. Like if you were to um, check whatever, you know, how many sales you have on this site and it were, you know, twice as much as normal or 50% of what is normal, would you do anything differently about that? Like in that moment or no. (laughs) So, okay. Okay. So could you just, and I don't know how all the different sites and things that you use work. Like sometimes you have to be in them to do whatever the thing is that you're doing, you know, for, for, to work, you know, to, um, but could you just try to make a point not to even check those, like the stats? So you're Mm -hmm. still doing the work, but don't check the stats for like just every Friday at 3 a.m. or 3 a.m., 3 p.m. Why did I pick (laughs) a.m.? Every Friday at 3 p.m. into the week or whatever, you know, pick a day. Maybe Friday is a little too weird because then it's the weekend and you're like ruminating on this, whatever happened, (laughs) success or or maybe not as good. But, you know, I don't know how easy that would be. Definitely the laptop seems like an easier way. Like if I were thinking about how I would try to do it, right? Just eliminating the thing altogether seems like the easier way. But even during the work, instead of it being like, you know, checking to see if it, you know, if you got some sales or whatever, could you just limit that to, if it's daily now, limit it to weekly, or if it's weekly now, limit it to monthly or something like that? Yeah, that's really good advice. I'm going to try to make it a point to do that. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it's do impossible, that. but <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it would at least you you'd still have that dopamine hit whenever you did, but you'd you'd have less of them in the course of a year, let's say, as opposed to three hundred and sixty five of them or or seven hundred and seventy eight of them, <laughs> you know. Uh, but then actually implementing that to where you don't check it, that's a whole other topic of like, well, how do you, you know, because if you're that sort of addicted to just going over, let me check real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a whole other <laughs> level of commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly, it's really bad. Or, you know, let me, let me say this too. Might it be a good first step just to start by tallying up the times you check these things? Mm. You know, that's what I try to do with like uh, the other week when I was like, well, what time am I waking up? You know, I just like took pictures of my phone or my, my watch with my phone. And so it, it wasn't even trying to change the behavior yet as much as just be aware of the behavior and then maybe it'll be easier. Maybe you look back and you're like, well, it actually happens mostly on Fridays. You know, I check it a lot on Fridays because mm. I'm less, you know, you might just get more, a more realistic picture of what the triggers are or the, you know, like anything, just starting with that awareness, maybe instead of jumping full to, I'm not going to look at it for a month now. It's like, I don't know, like, I don't know about you, but that to me, it seems like not a good way to try to start it. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I can, uh, I don't know, there's a side of me that thinks that I should just be able to quit cold turkey. And I have been able to with other stuff, you know, smoking and drinking and stuff like that. You know, I didn't need to wean myself off of it. But with this, it's like, I have to do it. But like you're saying, limit the amount of times you're checking because really like what you just said and what you kind of got out of me is it it doesn't really matter it doesn't seem like you have to i didn't know in the beginning Mm -hmm. i didn't know if you had to because you're like well i need to see if this shirt is performing well Mm -hmm. or this product is performing well so that i can make adjustment it does seem like you would have to but if you don't have to maybe i don't know 
Yeah, to some extent you do, some extent you don't. Right, and that's where it gets. I know, I know, I'm overdoing it though. Let's just let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm maybe kinda, once once a day or something like that would be a good place to start. Once a day, yeah. or yeah. even I'm curious: is this possible to do once every other day? Is this something you need to constantly check every day? No. Like Monday, and, Friday, Wednesday. I'm also curious. If you guys just stop doing everything, like how would that line on the graph look? Like, would it be consistent? Like how long would it take to drop down or off? Or would it go up? Would it go down? Like, does that make sense? Like the the profit, the line of profit. Like or if the you line just died of, right now, Bryce, how long until you go to zero? Yeah, yeah. Like, or you, you went on vacation. Let's, let's frame it positively. Like if you went on vacation <laughs> and you just unplugged from the internet, you're in Madagascar for four years. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's Very too interesting. Too uh, mm. hypothetical. Well, we have two businesses under our company or within our company. The one has physical products, which we need to, we haven't outsourced the ordering part of it. So we have to do that, or we are doing that. Like mm-hmm. We could hire somebody to place the orders, and then it would completely run itself. It wouldn't. It w- both, and then there's the digital products, and those don't require anything. So to answer your question, the digital product side would just flatline, and maybe drop off a little bit, but it would. When it would you say flatline. You don't mean go to zero though. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Just continue not... at baseline, right? Yeah, baseline. Flatline's wrong. Um, I didn't. Yeah, it would just basically stay the same. Okay. Yeah. Maybe drop off a little bit. I'm not exactly sure. As long as what's being sold is still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the physical products would <laughs> run out of stock if, if no one <laughs> was go along pretty well. Then <laughs> no one was reordering. Hmm. <laughs> So you could do it every other day even. Like you guys, technically, maybe, if you just did like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't know if you take the weekends off, but. I mean, really, there's no need to look at the sales. Hmm. Because I know the inputs that go into the business that make it grow. So I can just do those things. And theoretically, everything should just keep going smoothly and grow. This sounds like a 30-day challenge. Like, in the month <laughs> this, of December, don't look <laughs> at all and come back and see what happens. Well, I'm going to start, like gonna start with Saturdays. Don't look on Saturdays? Yeah. No look Saturdays? <laughs> no look Saturdays. Yeah. And, then, and then the 9 to 5 on Monday through Friday mm-hmm. and Sunday, I guess. Forget playing video games. This is your video game. So, <laughs> looking and seeing them. Oh, I see. Go up and down and... It's kind of like that. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think the stoicism stuff, I should probably revisit that because it's all about not getting too high and too low. But yeah. Cool. Hmm. Thanks for the recommendations. And just talking about it's, of course, helpful. Yeah, just sort of teasing out what's... Because when you first started talking to get it, it seemed like impossible. And now we're like, wait a minute, this isn't impossible. We're just framing it like it's impossible. There's, there's probably some steps we can do here. <laughs> also, I <laughs> like the, my mind. <laughs> the, the tally idea is good too, but not for the, to me, it's not for the reason you suggested. Mm-hmm. It's that shock value. 
is you know if you have an iphone or any apple products oh, yeah. they introduce yeah. the screen time thing <laughs> and when i started seeing every day that i spent four hours on my phone it's like that's not acceptable <laughs> and <laughs> now i've got it down to like 30 minutes or an hour and you know that feels better so I guess if I start tallying this and see that it's in the hundreds per day or something, I'd be like, that's not acceptable. Right. Or it could be the other way around and you you realize like, oh, I feel like I'm checking it all the time, but really it's grouped on a specific day or a specific time of day mm-hmm. where I seem to be. That's what I often find with things like that, where I'll feel like I'm doing something bad and there I go, just categorizing this is bad, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm doing something I don't want to do, but then I look at it and I really realize like, well, I kind of am, but it's really just because of this specific, there's a time where I fail a lot and the rest of it's maybe okay. But, you know, afternoons are bad or, oh, first thing in the morning's bad or, oh, what, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. But, hmm. uh, yeah, I like that. I'm going to, going to try that out. Cool. Thanks guys. It's good stuff. Thanks for sharing. Um, Mine, uh, I don't know, you guys can tell me if it, if it connects or not, but it, it feels like it, it feels like every week there's some connection and, and maybe that's just my brain like trying to make connections because that's how, how brains work, I guess. <laughs> but uh, my, my thing this week was, what did I say? Thriving in the valley. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to share a little bit you know i like many people you know feel down when when things aren't going well or or things aren't working out and it's it's kind of like you know if you guys have a investments in the stock market and you see that it's it's red you feel depressed you feel sad but the people the people that are in the know of the stock market will always encourage you to buy when it's red and to hold when it's green. So I kind of, it's, it's not how my mind is wired, but it's an interesting way to, to look at life. Something, um, something else that's kind of been in my mind is, I don't know if you guys know this, but I think it's at the beginning of next year, the what is it the i guess evictions for for rent are going to be like off like uh like if you haven't been paying rent then technically at the beginning of next year you can you can be evicted for not you know keeping up with rent i've been fortunate enough to to find a job and continue working so that won't happen to me but it just makes me think there's a lot of sadness in that people are going to need to move maybe to a place that has a a lower rent or something like that but on the upside it's like if you have a you know if you have the possibility of of buying power it seems like a a great time to to jump in the market and purchase a house if you can so it's a very bittersweet feeling for me (laughs) 
I don't really know what I'm going to do yet with that, but I just, I think the, the thing of my, my topic is to, to really just be uh, content. And I know this sounds like a, <laughs> like a PSA, but it's just been on my mind and on my heart this week, you know, wherever, uh, wherever you're at, if you're uh, feeling down or depressed, it's, uh, it's not easy to, but kind of take a step back and take a breath and, and all this craziness, kind of realize that we're, uh, we're still alive. <laughs> I don't know, does that sound, does that sound depressing? <laughs> it does a little bit. <laughs> but I don't think it has to, you know, it, it's, I think how I, you know, how I, I guess I'm framing it. Because, yeah, I don't think it has to be depressing. It can just be, I mean, it can actually be a positive thing, like kind of taking a look at sort of the things that you have and the things that, you know, the opportunities that you have as far as work and, you know, being healthy and being, you know, sort of these high-level things of of life that where, where you have, you know, sort of success compared to what others could have or what you could have in a different and maybe a different situation. I guess I don't think that's depressing. You know, I think that's <laughs> that's just like being grateful. <laughs> or, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I don't. I just want to say I'm not like super. You know, I'm not like in a a horrible spot right now. I feel like a crazy depression. I guess this is just what's been on my mind, and just wanted to throw that out to the world. <laughs> Are you feeling down about other people's experiences? Are you feeling down about your own experience? Definitely, yeah, definitely more down about other people's experiences, for sure. I don't know if that's because I'm more of an optimic, optimistic person than others, potentially. But I definitely feel it when, you know, you just think about people, you know, in this, in this crazy, crazy time, <laughs> a lot of people are, I guess, suffering these days. So maybe I need to pull away from the news and the, the media. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, is it people, you know, personally, or is it just what you're seeing on TV? Mm. And by TV, I mean, any, <laughs> any way you consume media. I guess it's a, I guess it's a combination of both, but you know, the it's, I guess, directed at the, the general public because that, you know, while that doesn't affect my day to day, day to day life, it, um, it does kind of, you know, put a weight on your, on your shoulders, even thinking about it. I think it would be helpful to, uh, I, I was going to say, because I guess what I'm thinking is at any point in time, there's, you, you could, you could look at kind of the general public, you know, whatever that means, United States of America or your state or your city or your neighborhood, you know, but you could look at it and see, you know, suffering or misery or bad going on. And then typically at any point, you can also see good things as well. There's probably some times in history where 
we could categorically say it was it was probably worse than than normal. And maybe this is one of them. You know, there there is a lot going on as far as you know. We have a pandemic that's going around, and there's been different things politically going on and whatever. Mm. But I, I guess my what I was curious is, do you think it helps to see um, people or the general public in that way, or would it be helpful to see? Like think of it optimistically, and and I mean that as an actual question, not as like a way to give advice by asking a question. Because I I guess I'm thinking about it too. Like, is it good to see other people as like, oh, there's this 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 bad that's happening, and so it helps me be thankful for the situation I'm in, and maybe I'm able to be helpful to them as well. Because I'm like, oh, be empathetic to people, and everybody's going through something that I know nothing about. Um. So maybe in a way there's that's helpful. Then on the other side, if you're like, well, you know, actually we're going to be okay. Everybody's doing much better than we sh- could have been doing, or you know, maybe that is more um, helpful. I don't know what the word is, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I definitely side with the you know optimistic crowd, uh, at least from a an individual standpoint, you know. While it is important to feel, you know, empathy or sympathy towards uh, certain situations, I think collectively we suffer less if we are all in a optimistic mindset, positive thinking kind of situation. I don't know. Would you guys agree with that? It's a tricky question. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. You know, another, I think at the maybe closer to what I was trying to say too, or or behind what I was trying to say also with the question is, do you think that like you're thinking that way and you're thinking that way, ah, I don't even know how to say this. Like, are you choosing to think that way or is it like sort of a reaction? I don't know if that's even a good way to ask that, that question, but um, you know, like that, there's that phrase, um, I forget who who I heard this from, but he says, "Don't don't believe everything you think," mm-hmm. and and it's like, is this something that you're thinking and you're like, it's just you're you're thinking it because you're thinking it, or is it something also where, you know, in reflection you think about it and you're like, oh, this is a good way to think, and so I should think this way, or, you know what I mean? And I I don't I don't know an answer to that question. I'm just, I guess, trying to think it through myself. Mm. It kind of almost goes back to the Black Lives Matter injustice topic, Mm. equality, all that. Um, Are you feeling a sense of responsibility to help people here? Or are you just observing the world and feeling cynical about it? (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm, I'm not even like, down or depressed or anything i guess i guess it's more of the the lens that i i've i've put on recently so i guess i would go with uh if i had to choose the the cynical (laughs) the cynical uh viewpoint so if it's just that if it's just that then that seems unhelpful well let, let me add something too though like i because I'm always the person who will say, you can never say always, you can never say never, you can never have a dichotomy like that. Well, okay, so 
whether you want to help somebody, you might <clears throat> say that that's not what you're thinking. But on the cynical side, right, there could be multiple shades of that too. You could have straight up cynicism. And then you could have on the other side, just sort of a general sorrow for humanity. <laughs> and then in the middle of all that, you could have some other versions of sort of like, you know, I'm doing well and other people are not as well off as me. I don't necessarily want to help them, but it sort of is helpful for me to realize like, wow, I have all this, you know, I, I, I guess I, what I'm saying is I would put the other people are much worse off. I have been, I have so much. I'd probably put that on the cynical side, but it's not, I wouldn't call it cynicism. I mean, maybe there's some element of cynicism in there, but I guess what I'm saying is it seems like you could not want to help people, but also still have a healthy attitude about it. <laughs> is that impossible? That sounds funny when I'm saying it. <laughs> I don't want to help you, but it's not a, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that's not your driving force yeah. is that I, I mean, want to help people yet. It could still be, it seems a positive emotion. But maybe not. Maybe that's where. Well, yeah. And it's not like I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't not want to help, you know? <laughs> like right, 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 right. It's just not the driving sort of force. It's that, that, that makes sense. I think it would be helpful to, I don't know. I, it, it would be helpful to, to help, you know, especially if, mm. if I am, you know, in a, an optimistic mindset, it's like a, I don't know if you guys saw that um, movie or read the book, The Secret. <laughs> it's like, think it and believe it and it's going to happen. It's kind of a, it's quite the cheesy, the cheesy film. But I think there's some, I think there's some proof to, to that, you know. You brought up the, the houses mm -hmm. and how it, seems like there might be a good opportunity in the near future for you to capitalize on other people's uh, <laughs> misfortune. Yeah, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> so so it's, it's like you're feeling guilty about that almost? Absolutely. Mm, okay, okay. It sounds, it's like so terrible. I mean, I, and it was something that I, I don't even know if I read about it or saw it and I was just like, yeah, there is going to be, you know, some crazy stuff going down beginning of next year if this plays out and it's like depressing, but there's a, a, an absolute, you know, opportunity in this, in this despair. And that definitely, that definitely hurts mm. to, to think about. I guess it just comes down to whether you think that's ethical or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how you frame it for sure. Yeah. Because yeah, on the one side you're you're taking somebody's home because they can't have it anymore, and what should have cost or you know what you should have paid, you know, ten dollars for now you're gonna only pay them three dollars because they can't wait it out to get the ten dollars or you know whatever, uh, and that seems bad, yeah. But on the other side, right, you can frame it as, I mean they're trying to sell the, the house and you're trying to buy a house. So if they didn't sell their house, then it'd be much worse than if they did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if you're, if they're able to sell their house, that's what they're trying to do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it, yeah, yeah. Interesting sort of situation. 
yeah, I don't really see an ethical way to to go about it. But at the same time, it regardless of the beginning of next year or whenever it it happens, you know, literally every single day in real estate, it's just going to be on a a bigger scale if things play out next year. A genesis <laughs> is purchasing a home. I don't I don't know what exactly you're talking about, like a foreclosure or something. Is is doing that do you think do you anticipate feeling uh is there a different word than guilty like or you know 10 years from now after it's all said and done will you feel proud of doing that again it's not uh like i'm trying to give it one of the questions where i'm trying to give advice it's just like maybe um like i guess it depends on how you look at it proud of of purchasing it or proud of like kicking people out well, I think that's where it's a little different, though, because it's not like you're actually kicking people out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so if you owned a home and you were a landlord in this situation, that would be extremely difficult because at some point you're deciding, do I provide for my family because I need this income to provide for my family and continue mm. my business that I'm building? And, you know, maybe my family's not going to starve, but, you know, am I going to you know, give these people basically their mortgage payment or their, their rent, you know, every month. And if I decide, no, I'm not going to give this to them, then I have to kick them out. That seems like a super um, difficult situation. And even in that situation, I don't think it would be unethical to kick them out. I mean, the agreement was you're going to pay me and I'm going to provide a house. They didn't fulfill their part of the deal. That's a whole framing issue. But as Mm. far as buying a house, after somebody has uh, either moved out or they're trying to sell it because they, you know, something happened or whatever. Um, to me, I feel like that's always going to be a positive. Like they're literally trying to sell it. If you didn't come along and buy it, they would just have this house that would continue to get worse. Like say there was, it was just you, no right. other buyers on the market. You didn't buy the house and they didn't sell it. They would be much worse off having a house. There's a reason that they're trying to sell it. You know what I mean? They're trying to get the money out of it, even if it's only getting $3 instead of 10. Um, mm. So I guess to me, it doesn't seem like a, um, like it's still a bad situation that they're in, but you making that transaction does not seem like a, a bad thing. In fact, it seems like it's actually helping in a way. If, unless you're like going into it manipulatively, you're like saying, hey, I know you're not going to be able to get this much out of it. So I'm going to, you know, only offer you two dollars you know and, mm-hmm. and you know so like there, there's some i don't know how you manipulate that but you know what i mean like giving whatever fair market value is in the market that it is now um seems like you'd still be helping in this in that situation mm-hmm. i kind of feel like if you need situation. to be talked into believing something is ethical then, it's, then maybe it's not the thing you should be doing Mm. like if you need to convince yourself that it's a good thing to be doing then maybe it's not the greatest thing to do for you that's that's just me yeah like anytime i have to go through hoops to convince myself that i'm doing something right then usually it's not right that's just me personally Mm. i'm thinking about it it, it reminded me of the you know addictive behaviors Mm mm-hmm not that investing in real estate is <laughs> anything like that, but you know what I'm saying? Like if you have to, 
do these mental gymnastics about why this is a good thing. Right. Trick myself into uh right, right. Yeah, it's uh I mean this is a uh, this is good it's good information. I'm glad to, you know, be able to voice it and uh and get some get some thoughts from you guys. Well, and what about this too? Like under what situation would you not feel like, would you feel proud mm. of, of buying it? You know, so given the situation, maybe homes are supposed to be worth a hundred dollars. Oh, now I changed my analogy. $10. Sorry. They're <laughs> supposed to be $10. And, but you think you can get it for three. Um, like, could you buy it for $10? Would that make you feel proud? Like, Hey, in 10 years, like that, that's kind of cool too. Like, you know, in 10 years, you're like, Hey, I bought a house at market value from what it should have been worth four years ago when the market was good. I could have bought it at this much, but I helped out this family. Like that's a cool thing too. You know, um, maybe you feel more proud of that. And maybe that's like a different way to look at it in like still getting what you want, which is to buy a house and started a, you know, or I don't know, maybe, maybe you're only interested because you're going to get that good deal. And if that's the case, maybe it isn't like what Bryce is saying. But if you're, if you're interested regardless, then maybe you layer on that other thing of like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to maybe overpay or, you know, I don't know how that looks in reality, yeah. but, but like under what situation would it be? Would you feel not only okay, but mm-hmm. actually proud? Like, wow, I did this. This is cool. Um, and then maybe work back for, from that. It's actually a really good point. It made me think that um, I had been having this thought, you know, before the thought of, you know, this uh, eviction crisis had even happened. So that's very interesting. It does kind of piece me out a little bit now. <laughs> also, um, <clears throat> how does an eviction crisis result in foreclosures? <clears throat> Because if you're getting evicted, you're a tenant, you're not the owner. So mm-hmm. the owner is going to keep the house. They're not selling it. They're just going to find a new renter. How does that open up a real estate opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it It may not even, you know, it may not even affect what I could do. It. It may just be, you know, the housing market in general is going to be down. Like somebody because, could still not afford more their mortgage and get kicked out by the bank. Yeah. And if it's not a landlord. It's a, yeah, even in the shuffle of things, I think there's a a potential of a of a dip in in either, you know, an interest rate, uh, you know, a discount on a on a potential sale, stuff like that. So I mean, who knows? It it could just be something that's been weighing on my mind and and not even a not even a big deal you know yeah. that's a good point like around here houses are still it, the market is still pretty pretty crazy it like in a i guess a good way i don't know depends upon if you're trying to sell or buy but <laughs> it's still really hard to buy a house mm-hmm. like in louisville seller's market yeah <laughs> so this is why i have you guys to talk to <laughs> well i appreciate it thanks for listening I remember yeah, sure. the um, <clears throat> listening to an episode of the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he kind of hit on this. Seems to be a reoccurring theme that we keep bringing up. He said he used to pay attention to the news and 
politics and all that stuff. But it's he he started to cut everything out that wasn't something that he could directly influence. Mm-hmm. And whether you believe you can influence politics or all of that, probably a bigger discussion. <laughs> but I tend to take that that side of uh, thinking. Although, you know, I, I'm sure I'm hypocritical because I've been following the election and all that stuff. <laughs> but um, I'd like to think that it's better to block out all the noise and work with the things that you can control instead of the things that you can't control. Hmm. I don't think that's a immoral way to go about living. Not sure if that's related or not. Hmm. <laughs> it just made me think of that. No, it's good. I like that. And even take it so far as, you know, for me, it wouldn't be unethical at all. Like if somebody's like their house is getting foreclosed because they can't keep up with the payments, that's not my fault. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like a, a moral uh, dilemma to me. You know, mm-hmm. I would just, if I'm interested in real estate and it's a good deal, then I just, no, that doesn't seem like a, a barrier. Take advantage. Yeah. I guess we all have our different lines for what is moral. Well, and then there's, and this is a whole other conversation. We don't, but there, there's the difference between what's, you know, ethical or moral. And then there's also sort of a above and beyond benevolent attitude. So it might be completely fair for me to buy this house at $10 and they get $10 and I get $10 and it's an even trade and we're both pretty happy. But then there's like this side where, well, if, what if I just offered $12 and I'm not saying you should do this, David, but you know, let's say I offered $12 and I gave away 20%. It wasn't a moral question before, but giving away that 20% is still cool. Or I mean, it might be bad because now you're going to, you know, but in general, you know what I mean? Like there, Mm -hmm. you can still go above and beyond, even if you're already baseline is morally acceptable if that makes sense like it's morally acceptable to buy something from somebody or sell something let's say to to somebody but it can also be cool to give somebody something Hmm. so like just because just because giving it is a nice thing to do let's say selling it doesn't have to be a bad thing to do that's not even what i was trying to say but anyway how is self-sacrifice a moral thing well, don't think of it as self-sacrifice. I'm thinking of it as just like helping somebody else. So let's say you didn't have, let's say it wasn't $10. Let's say it wasn't money. But it you was are, just like, in that scenario, you, know, you are sacrificing well, your, but maybe, own, your own good for somebody else. Yeah. I guess like I'm it, not it, thinking of it There's no as like, way, you know, there's no, there's no world where paying 20% extra for a house makes financial sense. Right. What if it was like, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of a different way where it's not so much like where you're losing something, but you're helping somebody, like not a zero-sum game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, even in that situation where you're where you're giving somebody, and forget about buying anything. Let's say I just hand somebody $100, you know. That's kind of a cool thing to do. If it's, right? not, at Should your, you do if that? it's not at your expense, though. No, it's like actually at your expense. You know, let's say it's hundred dollars in your pocket that you're giving to somebody else just for no reason. Right. I don't think there's like a morality to that. Right. But it's cool. Cause you're like, it's a gift, you know, I, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm not saying like, and I don't think there's a way that you'd 
morally justify making people give away a hundred dollars to people, mm-hmm. right? Or or even not making, but just ethically requiring people to give away a hundred dollars. But yet, giving a gift is still cool. Yeah, if you if you do it because you want to do it, right? Not because right. you feel obligated, exactly. Or because you feel guilty about it, exactly. Guilty think, for not doing it. Yeah, that would be the the difference. Is like if you're out there looking and you see people who are losing their jobs and stuff, and you're like, "Hey, I want to help people out." It doesn't have to be a guilt thing. It could just be a, "I want to be helpful." <laughs> yeah, I get that. But that goes back to the other question that you asked where you said Bryce you asked if you know you wanted to be helpful and it didn't sound like the the helpful part was the driving force like not that you didn't want to be helpful David but it didn't sound like that was like weighing in on it so in that case yeah I don't know you have to go down that road of trying to think of the helpful way to do stuff as much as thinking in what situation would I be proud of this decision mm-hmm. you know long term when I was first getting into uh, like making money online Remember, you guys know Pat Flynn, right? Smart passive income. Pat Flynn. <laughs> he, uh, what he was talking about, <clears throat> what, <clears throat> what type of business to choose. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, he said, if you'd be embarrassed to tell your grandma about it, then don't do it. <laughs> so I use that filter. I like that. <laughs> goes back to that integration thing of just wanting to be a whole person, not like these siloed out different. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want a side of you to be a slumlord right? something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I turn out these novels, you know, once a week and they're like, you know, I don't even know what this genre is called erotica or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like I'd be proud of that. You know, like, could I make money at it? Probably. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you want you know, to start but, a porn site or something like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be on yeah. Only, OnlyFans? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. But for somebody that enjoys that. Sure. Yeah, there yeah. might be. Yeah, exactly. And they would love to tell their grandma about their erotic fiction. Yeah. Then that's great. Right. Sweet. All right. Leave it at that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one kind of went off the rails. That was a good, that was a good ending point. <laughs> uh i okay so to wrap it up I, I i don't remember did i say what i was going to try to do this week um for this week a couple of things come to mind but i think the the main one that i will just continue focusing on for now is my my lights spreadsheet course and i'm just going to fill it out a little bit more um see if we can keep the train rolling on the track I downloaded it and checked it out and it was a little confusing because is there supposed to be a long-term goal attached to it or are you just trying to build good habits? It sounds like you're just trying to build good habits. It's not supposed to get you from point A to a clear point B. Correct. Okay. Um, so, so two things. One, I'm trying to use the word routine more because mm-hmm. I'm realizing that they're actually routines, not habits. Like habits are things you do naturally. And, okay. Mm. Um, but you're creating a better routines better routines um but then the side effect of it is that over the long term you can look back on things tim ferris talked about tim ferris a second ago mentions that about like workouts he has like notebooks and notebooks of his diet and exercise regimen for Uh since he was like in high school or something like this so he's like yeah whenever i want to like 
I see a picture of myself and I'm like, I want to kind of look like that. He just goes back to like that notebook and is like, you know, I don't know how, how if that still works as you get older, you know, it might not actually work the same way, but that idea anyway of where if I have all these tabs on a spreadsheet over months or years, you know, potentially, it could be cool to look back on things in the past and be like, oh, well, this was a really productive time in my life. What was I doing then? This was mm. not a productive, but I was very peaceful. What was I doing then? This was a terrible time. Well, it's because I didn't do this and this and, you know, just a way to kind of track that. Mm. So that makes sense. In the longer term, I think that that would be a, it's like a, a shorthand for journaling, you know, mm. instead of writing out today, I did my exercises, you know, it's literally just a checkbox. So mm. like journaling for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am going to try to keep my laptop shut down, powered off outside of those working hours. And Marshall, I'm going to try your tallying thing. Sounds a little intimidating, but that might actually be the first tangible thing I'll produce in our, uh, in our, in our accountability. I can show you a piece of paper with all my tallies. <laughs> Put it on a whiteboard. Yeah. Are you going to do it every day or how I threw yeah, it out I there? Could, I could like try it, to keep, I could try to track it, it for a week. Okay. Well, let me know yeah. how that goes. <laughs> Instead of focusing on sales, focus on on that number going down. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to to hear how it goes. It'll be like nine thousand four hundred and thirty-two. <laughs> yeah, I had to start using circles, and they just denoted one hundred instead of you know tally my. <laughs> anyway, it's not gonna be that bad. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, yep, mine is uh actually reading some more so same as last week but uh i think last week i was was like a fake but this is yeah <laughs> just need to beat myself up actually uh start flipping through some pages and hopefully get into uh your book too marshall i will I add to my, thing. my phone i'm gonna try to come up with those steps and i'll i'll email them to you or something sweet whether whether you follow them or not it's good accountability for me to because there's, there's multiple people who are like, I don't know how to do this. And I keep being like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do it. But, yeah. <laughs> but I don't actually know how to do it. <laughs> you got to like help what flip jerk, the pages right? for us. <laughs> <laughs> you got to flip each page for us. <laughs> Hold our hand. All right. <laughs> David, you got the quote of the week? Yes. Desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what you want. Naval. Sounds about right. I don't know. I, I almost don't agree with him, but I like quotes that I don't agree with because it makes me think harder. What do you disagree with on that? How dare you disagree? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the same conversation that we always have, right? Where I'm like, well, it could be that you're super happy because now you're moving toward that thing. You know, like I set out to, let's say, create... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to create this this plaque piece of artwork. I guess I don't know. And in the process, um, you know, I can tell myself I'm not going to be happy until this is done, and I want this to be done. But I, it also seems like I could also just say I want this to be done, and I'm going to enjoy getting to that point of it being done. Doesn't seem like I have to be unhappy until I get it there. But maybe I do. Maybe I'm just tricking myself. I don't know. Mm, it does, now that you talk about it, it does seem to go in contrast of the stoic approach. 
Yeah, I think it just comes down to how you define desire, you know, it, which is what he's doing. He's <laughs> which, defining, you know, <laughs> which the quote is doing. <laughs> right, right. He's defining desire as it as means suffering, that like you're you. that you're now unhappy until you get that thing. I don't think I'd mm-hmm. define desire that way. Sometimes it can be that way, and it can lead to that. But I also think that you know, I desire to buy a house. It doesn't mean I'm going to be unhappy there. It could be actually that I'm super pumped because now I got this like path that I'm going to try to work down to get to buy that house. So desire isn't always suffering, according to Marshall. Hey guys, David here. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen in. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you have a question or comment for us, give us a call at 502 632 3179. That's 502-632-3179. See you next week.